There was a couple of moments where it did veer slightly towards the happening. Uh, very much and, so, And I yeah. thought, oh God, careful, knowing. careful. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. yes, knowing as yeah. well. Knowing the Nicholas Cage which is terrible and happening, the happening, which is also terrible. Luckily, it didn't It didn't fall down that road, but there was a couple of just, it might have been just a shot once or twice. I thought, oh no. If you take Ethan Hawke and you place him with Nicholas Cage, this film's just a completely different oh, animal. yeah. I kind of want to see it. <laughs> George, how was Julia Roberts? Oh, you know what? As good as you think. Is she, is she's icon. She's an icon. Yeah. And um, we're talking about this because I went to the screening. It was basically, it, they called it a special screening. It was really a premiere. Yeah. Like a mini premiere. I was surprised when I saw the video on uh, at Pop Kitchen Podcast Instagram when I was like, oh, yeah, there's, there's a carpet. You had a po- fit picture done. I did, I did. With a uh, friend of the show. With friend of the show, Lucy Heath. Came with, with, came with us. Uh, you can check out her yeah. episode last year about the Tribeca Film Festival. And um, I had no idea that there was going to be talent there. And sure enough, the PR people were like, yeah, yeah, no, people are coming, people are coming. Yeah. So, great, great, great. People. Um, people. I totally unsold it. And it was in the uh, Curzon Mayfair, which nice. if anyone saw the photo I posted, which is very much like a low-key TVA 1970s interior with sort of deep uh, square circular square reveals in the ceiling mm-hmm. and I felt like I was part of the TVA yeah and um, sure enough yeah Julia Roberts comes in and and Julia Roberts is one of those movie stars like she's up there and you know she's yeah. been in she's in her what fourth decade of being in movies now and she yeah she's absolutely iconic and not just that so it's not just that when you see her you go oh, Julia Roberts mm. she was so charming oh, and so nice and absolutely just I've only it. heard good things about Julia Roberts she was walking in and she was walking down the aisle which was very long she sort of stopped halfway looked at everyone and said this is so awkward right this is so weird yeah and walked down to the front Edith Bowman teased her about the fact that Man United were winning 3-0 and she was like yeah go Reds <laughs> very American and she was just so charming and so brilliant on stage she's, she's produced the film and so she was really keen to you know get her selling points across and she almost like wrapped up the Q&A very quickly because mm. she basically said to Edith Bowman I think we should let everyone watch the movie and Edith Bowman was like no I actually have another question for you <laughs> um, and then what was nice is that when she came back up the the the, the aisle she saw um, I believe their name is Riley Parker who okay. wrote everything now Okay. Um, which is on that TV series on Netflix, Tandoy Newton's uh, Child. Um, anyway, Julia Roberts saw them and was like, and like went over, gave it like, re- like basically like yeah. leaned over people. She was like, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. Like gave him a hug. Yeah. How are you doing? Like, hey, hey. Yeah. Waved people. Just like, she was in no rush to leave. She was having a great mm-hmm. time. And I was like, you look like a class act. Because the whole promo press premiere interview thing, when you're, of the age and caliber of Julia Roberts. You've done it all. You've yes. come up. Oh, yes. Yeah. So all of this, like, promotion, talk show, interview nonsense must just feel, like, so boring and monotonous. You're like, okay, sure, whatever. I'm fine. Mm. Whatever I need to do that's in my contract, which I probably whittled down anyway, let's get it done. But I guess that's the test of a real pro. Totally. Because... She she's been through the mill so many times. She knows mm. she knows she knows the drill. I had the same reaction at the Baftas when I saw Kate Winslet. Mm. There were lots of famous people there. Like I was literally an arm away from like Ben Wishaw, Gary Oldman, mm. and then you had lots of 
TV people who like are obviously famous in the UK, but like they're not. Romesh Ranganathan. Yeah, like Romesh and like Lee Mack, and like, yeah. all the great main Chelsea people. And I'm like, cool. But then Kate Winslet mm. came onto the carpet and you just, again, like not only was did she get the attention, but just radiating, yeah. star quality, elegant, classy. You're like, what's that? Mm, I smell Oscar. That's yeah. what it is. I smell an Oscar. Just kind and, and it always just says the right thing and behaves in just the right mm. way. It's more than acting. It's, it's a way of life. G. Roberts has that million dollar smile as well. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah it was just that great. cutesy, Notting Hill, pretty woman. <laughs> just a girl. Just a girl. Well, she's not smiling in that one. But. She's smiling when she says that, I think. She's, I think she's she does smile just crying. a little goofy grin. I'm just a girl. Yeah. Trying to hold it in. Asking, yeah. Asking a boy. I want to rewatch Notting Hill. Oh, it's gosh, so good. Uh, well, if you were to, um, if it were to be that way for me, I would. My favourite is the... Uh, okay, you're a little bit Boris there. <laughs> well, it well, is. If you wanted to uh, go to my bookshop... to be... Well, yes, uh, uh, four uh, travel bookshop there with the blue yeah. door. You've got to turn up the toff meter for, oh, for, for, for Boris. Boris yeah. Yeah. For Hugh Grant, what I love in Notting Hill is that bit where he spilled the orange juice on her, or the coffee, whatever it is. Yeah. They go up to his flat, and he's opening the fridge door, and he's like, ah, oh, we have, um, you know, some... Apricots uh, in, in, in honey. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why they're in honey. If you want to buy honey, you could just 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 buy honey. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> just like just just like again. It's not so the top me to just like Richard Kerr just just go. Posh, 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 posh. Yeah, yeah. Only yeah. <laughs> yeah, posh people just have apricots and yeah. honey. Was just on a I, whim. I can afford to live in yeah. Notting Hill. Yeah, on a, tra and a was travel. travel like, bookshop. Not just any bookshop. A travel it's bookshop. Like, you live in Beverly Hills, and I live in Notting Hill. As if Notting Hill is it like prime London <laughs> real estate. That house that he lived in, I haven't seen it in a long time. That's a six million pound house. Yeah, totally. Easily. That film also got a lot of flack from basically misrepresenting the area of Notting Hill as well. Because yeah, Notting totally. Hill is actually historically a very diverse neighbourhood. Yeah. And and then this was just sort of like, no, it's about Hugh Grant and his little travel book. <laughs> Floppy little hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. Great movie though, got to see it. We, see you it. know, it, indeed. Whereas I think I think that holds up better than Four Weddings, which I've not seen for many years. I've only seen that once a long time ago. I think, I think that's a bit naff. That has the terrible line, you know, is it raining? I hadn't noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to episode 105 Five. of there Pulp Kitchen. Hello, listeners, new and old. Not old listeners, but regular. New Might and have new given regular. it away, but we're going to be reviewing Leave the World Behind. That's right. New Netflix movie with Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, and newcomer Myla. I'm also going to be talking about a new film starring George Mackay called Femme, and the guy who was in Misfits. Misfits Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Who, spoiler alert, is brilliant in this. Um, no, but I will spoiler, be talking about... No, not actually yeah. a spoiler. For a second, I was like, why would you do that? It's a spoiler why would you for give like a my own review. Right, you know, if it. people are on the edge. <laughs> no, not, not, not James's review. <laughs> I've been waiting. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about this week. We'll, of course, do your emails as ever. And we will finish with a game. I've got two rounds of games for you this week, James. Nice. We look forward to doing that. So that was my week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's do it. James, you went to see Femme. Yes, Femme, directed by first-time duo Samich Freeman and Ung Chun Ping, uh, set in a modern-day London. It was actually based off of a short that was gonna, that was starring Harris Dickinson. Mm. And for me, Harris Dickinson and George Mackay are in like kind of yes. same category of like skinny, blondish, British, yeah. young, slightly very gritty, much, slightly gritty, uh, sort of hard, hard mm. roles. Uh, anyway, uh, it's actually a, a short that got picked up and made into this feature film. Set in modern day London, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who you'll know from Misfits, and I think the uh, the Candyman, I think he was in that as well. Okay, uh, plays Jules, who is a drag artist who performs in a nightclub called Fallacy, and after performing his his set, he makes eye contact with a sort of very, you know, uh, street street dress, very uber masculine George Mackay, who as he you know and as he's going to buy cigarettes after a set, ends up in an altercation with uh, George Mackay, who plays Preston and a load of his friends ends up being violently attacked on the street, horrible blow to the head. They, you know, take the clothes off and they just, you know, in a terrible situation. You then cut to three months later and Jules is very much depressed and withdrawn, really shaken by by the attack. And through some circumstances, which will reveal itself to you if you go and see the film, ends up dating Preston, his attacker. But the thing is, is that when... When Jules was attacked, he was in drag. So Preston does not recognize mm. the fact. So Preston is closeted gay, right? Mm. And Preston does not recognize the fact that the person he's now dating was the person that he attacked three months ago. Mm. And so what you have is this very intense revenge thriller that's very sexy and intense and often violent and uh i i thought it was really good i really did enjoy it it's a really interesting commentary on masculinity one of the opening shots of the film is jules uh you know putting on putting on his costume and putting on the the the, the, uh, this whole material of drag and there's this real emphasis on clothing and how you know masculinity and femininity is an identity that we wear and it sort of works for both ways Mm. and both of these people that we meet and how they date becomes really well deconstructed and i was watching it and I was thinking maybe this is a little bit cliche and I think in lesser hands this whole concept might feel a bit cheesy Mm. but it's really well done I think it handles its subject matter with a really firm hand it takes its time to tell its story it handles a very simple dynamic in a relate not simple dynamic it handles a very singular dynamic in a relationship Mm. very well and it doesn't deviate too far from that like it says let's go for one thing and do that quite well and it sort of you know, it made me think a lot about the representation of uh, modern day gay sex in film and how, you know, it's tragically underrepresented and how there are all these really intense dynamics that I don't think mainstream cinema and pop culture has often been privy to. And I hope, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a straight guy, so I can't say, you know, I can talk about lived experience, but I think that 
tackles that whole subject really well. The ways in which sex and aggression and masculinity is challenged and enhanced in that very heightened environment of people who are wanting to engage in gay sex but are ashamed of who they are and the fact that they're gay, ashamed of the fact that other people might find out and how that manifests in a very sometimes nasty, intense, but very sexual way. And I was like, this, doesn't, this is a conversation that's not really had in cinema, and I think this film did it really well. Um, there's times where it felt a little bit baggy and there's certain scenes with certain characters where you think, yeah, they're like almost catching on to an idea. Mm. But all in all, really great performances. George Mackay doing something I think very... Uh, very interesting with the role I think we've seen before in film, mm. right? Of a sort of very aggressive, repressed homosexual. And then I think um, uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, brilliant. Mm. Uh, uh, just really electric and magnetic the moment you see him on screen. Mm. Uh, really, really interestingly done. I, I do recommend people go and see it. I, I had a good time with it. Oh, great. Well, that was Femme. Femme. Um, which, if you've seen it, please let us know your thoughts. Hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. May I ask you a question mm. related to, but not about that film, mm. which is Misfits itself? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Look, I remember yeah. that. That was 2009. When I think about Misfits, I think purely really the first se series. Yeah. And I remember it being this kind of breakout hit. And yeah. I remember it was very like late 2009. And I just remember it spreading like wildfire and I watched yeah. it all within a week and I got hooked. I remember actually at being at a New Year's party. It was similar caliber to Skins it. for me of like clearly aimed at young yeah. people, very sort of like young adult, but very grown up uh, subject matter, yeah. very sexual. For people who don't Nation, know, Misfits was a story about five, five or six. Something like that. Um, what's Kids the word? on like on, juvenile. Ju uh, um, in juvie, but it's not juvie. juvie. What's yeah. it like? Um, uh, a community oh. service kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, basically, you have yeah. to paint walls and, and pick glitter, and, and they're down, in these yeah. kind of like you know jumpsuits, uh, uh, you know orange jumpsuits, and uh, they're caught in this storm at the beginning, and the storm is this weird electrical storm which gives them all. Uh, superpowers. Yeah. Do you remember in the first series it was all that, like they gave them all but one person yeah, the superpower, yeah. and uh, and they you know and it's yeah like quite sexualized, very stylish, yeah. and it's you have like, people who's like you know the, the sort of pent-up nerd the kind of the jock the kind of the the, the cheeky one and it was really Pop good and really addictive yeah. and i remember it being it got like that quite out, out there like oh towards, yeah. yeah and time travel yeah and yeah the guy, really, the guy who plays it got uh, really silly as well yeah. it really really fell apart yeah. but that, but that so that first series of misfits i that's like a bit of nostalgia for me mm. i think oh yeah i've really forgotten show as well I, I associate that 2009 i could hear the music i was listening and, to and what's your name from game of thrones who oh, talks um, a bit like this What's his name? Ewan. It's Ewan, isn't Ewan. it? Ewan. What's the character's name in Game of Thrones? Uh, it's Bol Ramsey, Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton. Ewan. Is it Ewan? It is played by Ewan Rian. Ewan Rian. I-W-A-N. Rayon. I think that's Which sounds like he could be straight in with the Targaryen family with that name. Rayon. Ewan Rayon Targaryen. Goodness, yes. Anyway. Ewan Rayon. Could be Ewan. Misfits, great. If you've seen Femme, though, let us know your thoughts. As I said, at Hello and Up at hello. Goodness, I can't speak, James. Send them in to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. I want to say, I mean, it's not really a breakout, but like could be a breakout role for um, Nathan Stewart, Jarrett. Like, right, really, really good. I was like, oh, where, where is this guy? I think he's 38, but I was like, where have you been? You've been mm. you're absolutely brilliant in this. I play, I'm playing that sense of uh, I wear drag to perform, to feel like gender is a performative thing mm. in this side of my life. And then 
he's put in situations where he has to wear this like masculine side of himself mm. to survive and perform on a totally other side of life. And just a really interesting way to unpack that. And you're left mm. with two people who are essentially just skin and bone with nothing but their hearts in the middle of it. I thought that's a really cool, cool mm. play on that. Sorry, just another comment. Very well done. So talking about Julia Roberts earlier, let's do Leave the World Behind, which has mm. been released in cinemas, but is getting a wider release on Netflix. Um, this week leave the world behind is based on a book and directed by sam eshmael which i've I've been saying all my life is sam esmail misreading a sam email but it's sam eshmael who uh was the writer director behind mr robot yeah a series the first series of which i really loved i was really really into it i couldn't stop boring people about it in 2015 and then season two came along and it was just like oh dear Mm. um and that was a, a show, and you kind of see the DNA in this a little bit, full of ideas, stylish stylish execution, peculiar pace. Um, and actually, I forgot to mention, Rami Malek was at my screening, just in the audience. Whoa. He just turned up right at the end, just went to the, you know, dressed up in togs, you know, in the, in the proper like suit and everything. Yeah. But like, just sort of crept in, and like no one else looks like Rami Malek as well. No. So you can't mistake He's him. just there, like, not blinking, yeah. with his jaw out. He was like, mm, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's Rami Malek. Oh, nice. Um, so, brings, which brings us to Leave the World Behind. He, uh, Sam Eshmael was saying, he was there at the premiere, that he read this book, sent it to Julia Roberts, who he worked with on his other show, Homecoming, uh, which was on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And Julia Roberts really liked it, produced it. And now we have this film, which I said, stars um, Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, Maya La, and a side order of Kevin Bacon. Yes. Um, <laughs> one one order. rasher, I'd say, of yeah. Kevin Bacon. Week's work? Less? Oh, maybe five days, yeah. I like it when we try and guess how many days someone did on the thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, five days. But it really is a side order. Don't don't go in expecting uh, an actual bacon butty. Anyway, here's the premise. It is essentially a small-scale, concept-led disaster movie Mm -hmm. that focuses on Julie Roberts and her husband, played by Ethan Hawke Clay, and their um, two children, a a teenage boy, and a sort of around about, I know, 10-year-old daughter. Maybe younger, nine. Maybe older. Maybe 11. Yeah. <laughs> and basically the film begins with, I have to say, one of the most egregious uh, exposition dumps I think I've ever heard, where Julia Roberts basically says, I've booked us a place in the countryside <laughs> yeah. because you're very stressed at work because of the layoffs and I need some time off because I'm writing this. Driving and the children, the And we haven't had a Hollywood holiday with the children in a while, so I think we should go do this. I was like, wow. <laughs> just just dump the exposition. No need for a scene. Let's no. just... <laughs> But sure enough, they leave New York. They leave New York and they drive to the um, the outer. Well, I don't know what, what part. I think it was like uh, upstate Long Island. New York. Yeah, I think it could have been upstate, upstate, upstate New York. Yeah. Thank you. And um, to this wonderful Airbnb, this very nice, almost like um, the house and parasite looking thing. Really modern, modern slick, concrete, pool, beautifully designed, in this sort of woodland area. And she is really determined to make this uh, a holiday that she, you know, that she likes. She doesn't like people that she says she wants to get away from the city. And, um, but, but, but there are some peculiar things happening on, on their journey. The Wi-Fi keeps cutting out. They, they have some strange, there's a very strange thing that happens when they go to the beach. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that. not just a little strange that's, thing. No, well, yeah, but, 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 anyway, but, but really, um, in the context of all these sort of weird, strange things happening, I have to say that that, that initial bit has very much has overtones of Jordan Peele's us. Totally. Going to the beach house, seeing something strange, this sense of impending doom, impending disaster. And then you get M. Night Shyamalan's knock at the cabin. Well, yeah, actually, that's not about, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, was going to get to that. Um, and, and then the film really kicks into gear when, it, 
it's nighttime on their first night there. And sure enough, they get a knock at the door. They open it and it's Mahershala Ali and his daughter. And Mahershala Ali's there in a, you know, immaculate tux and mm. says, I'm very sorry. Uh, I can't, you know, we, for various reasons, blah, 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 blah. Could we come in? Dripping with charm, politeness. Dripping with charm, politeness, and slickness. And you have this question of, can, can I come in? And then the film kind of takes it from there. And we, we won't waste time trying to plot mm. it through because the film is a mystery concept-based mm. thriller. Um, you mentioned Knock at the Cabin there. I think that's an interesting comparison. James, do you want to give us essentially what you thought of it? Yeah, I'd say... I see. Look, I mean, like introducing that is so, it's only like such a small part of what the film eventually goes exactly, goes on. Yeah. And I think coming out of it, I was given a lot of really interesting ideas to chew on, especially about the relation of wealth and dealing with issues that come from the exterior. Right? You've yeah. got this family presented in this uber modern, luxurious house, experiencing something going on from the outside but it's very crucially their communications are completely gone their wi-fi is gone they can't connect to the other world and with the internet down it becomes impossible for anyone to find out what exactly is going on and therefore mm. what they should think about it so the only thing that's left are their own fears their mm. own prejudices the everything that's literally in front of them which from a modern perspective is quite unique mm. right um and so you know you sort of like leave the world behind. And I think the film ultimately is trying to answer this whole idea of like, can you ever really leave the world behind? Is the idea of holiday and withdrawing from society an illusion, right? And does it ever really protect you from what's going on? Um, and you've got these two families who are in the middle of apocalypse, but they're also drinking the finest wine and mm. enjoying lovely foods and getting to talk about art and philosophy in their lives mm. when there's like this unspoken horror of what's happening outside. There's also very interesting, uh, some more interesting Hitchcockian style deer warning them, like nature yeah. sort of warning from within. I think that's probably a little bit overused yes. if you ask me. Um, but I think where I, it's, it's about two and a half hours long, this mm. film. And I did start to feel it, I'd say, toward in the last 45 minutes. I, remember, I, I only realised it was a long film in that last 45 minutes because mm. otherwise I was very engaged. And I was thinking, God, this is really dragging on. Where are we going here? And I think the reason why I felt like that is the film does spend a lot of time introducing semi-horror and teasing a revelation that I don't think really comes in, in a satisfying enough way given the time I spent with it. Mm. So despite being given lots to chew on, lots of really fun, deeper meanings, which I think make for interesting analysis of the film mm. afterwards, the film only partially satiated me in the end with the materials that I'd been given. And that's kind of where I came out of it. I think you've got really great performances, lots mm. of really, really interesting ideas. I thought the camera work was really interesting, mm. swooping up and down, lots of uneasy Dutch. Yeah. Uh, quick pans. Quick pans, Parallax effects, uh, which sort of keep you really engaged. Could you explain that for our viewers? What's a that? parallax effect. Uh, if you've ever seen a Michael Bay film, when a camera moves from on a long lens and you've got the subject in the middle and because it moves, the background seems to be moving against the person. Right. And it creates this sort of... Is that like the Bad Boys 2 spin? Yes, exactly. That's the Bad Boys 2 spin. Shia LaBeouf on the top of a mountain with Optimus Prime. Parallax. That's like the extreme Michael mm. Bay version, but you've got a lot of those. So the camera moves mm. sort of perfectly within the house. You get that effect. Sorry. Um, yeah, a little bit baggy, a little bit lengthy, mm. but interesting, tense. A couple of times, you know, the, the editing, between you know you've got three different teams of people in mm. different parts and you the, the music builds and the tension builds mm. and i feel like it cutted too many times between without giving me something yes so i was left a little bit like i'm still a little bit hungry after this very big meal that's yeah. where i left with it i i kind of agree with you i think that on the whole i was thinking you this is pretty solid and i it's interesting i, I totally i came out thinking that was solid but too long 
And the thing is, is that the, the pacing of the film, I was actually happy with for the most part because when you have a concept film like this, the worst thing you can do is rush it mm. and, and barrel through and kind of, um, it's, it's a tight, it's a tight rope walk. You're trying to basically get an audience to engage with material that is basically ridiculous, but in a really sort of grounded way. Yeah. And I think for the most part, that kind of works. And it has this kind of very deliberate, stately pace, which I kind of liked and respected. Yeah, but the problem is, is that the longer the, when the film gets into its third act, when it gets past two hours, yeah. it, that starts to work against the film. Because I'm thinking you've had this deliberate pace, which has made me feel, as you said, like big revelations are coming. Mm. And the point at which the film ends, I wouldn't say it's unsatisfactory. That's the, the, the point is kind of like intellectually interesting. Yes, that's what it but is. But I'm kind of like, I wish that we'd arrived at that 20 minutes ago. So I could have enjoyed that a little bit more because yeah. you have really overrated this pudding, Sam. Um, I think that there is the the most interesting section. I think is in the kind of middle bit, where there's this sort of very very sub satirical thing happening about what what really irritates middle class people. Yeah, what provokes reactions? You have this scene at the beach at the beginning, which is very minor spoilers, but basically a it's giant in the trailer. It's probably in the trailer. A giant oil tanker breaches onto the beach. They're on there. They're all playing on this you know pedestrian tourist beach and this oil tanker bridges on the sand and it's this huge spectacle but they're all kind of bizarrely unmoved by it mm. and they they on the drive home they pop into a starbucks and they kind of forget about it straight yeah. away yeah but then when as soon as a black couple ring the doorbell in the middle of the night that's what gets studio roberts hat yeah. up and meanwhile you have like on the flip side um ethan hawk as being this overly wet kind of uh spineless is the wrong word but kind of um, demasculinized kind of oh yeah well sure you can come in and you, you yeah. can sit down Julie so Roberts desperate, to, desperate <laughs> yeah. to show his liberal credentials yeah. whereas uh, Julie Roberts is kind of get heads up and that kind of dynamic is really interesting and Mahershala Ali and his daughter are aware of that um, but and, 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 the, and, the, and the, I get that idea as well that, that idea of it's it's a, it's a wealthy black couple as well and these guys are just middle class it's just very interesting they talk about where they both live in the yeah. city it's very interesting um, I agree. Some of the images are great. The, the, yeah, the, the cross cutting and the climax scenes is kind of thrilling, but like also very obviously contrived. And the more it happens, the more you're aware of a director sitting in the cutting room going, and then and that one, no, and then the next cut, one, it's very really Lord of the cut. Rings two towers going from the ends to Aragorn to Frodo, like heavy. Oh, really? We've got three people in three different yeah. places. We're just going to cut to. Um, yeah, there's this sort of over. There's a kind of one too many times of a metaphor revolving with some deer about the flipping of nature. There's some stuff which I just think. Overrating the pudding didn't need to be in there. Less is more. Like there's some mm. stuff with some flamingos. I just thought no, they need to be in there. Uh, yeah, like, the deer I thought were overused. Yeah. And um, you know, you know, I mentioned us before. Yeah, the us presents a really huge mystery that unfolds throughout that whole film. Yeah. But the ending of us, even if you think it's really out there and very ridiculous, which if you said that, I'd be like, you're totally fair. Yeah. It's a very satisfying yeah. answer to the puzzle that us presents to you. Yeah. And the, the 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 ending of it leaves you with a lot to chew on. And I yeah. go, even if that is mental. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool when it earned it and the evidence was there. So I think, you know, intellectually, it's very stimulating. And there's, there's you know, talk about the length, there's like some really long dialogue scenes, especially between uh, Julia Roberts and Mahashala Mahash Ali. They have, I think, have a 15 minute mm. scene within that film. And I'm glad that scene exists because it's really interesting and it mm. puts those two characters against each other and brings them together. But within that, where are we going? Yeah. What are we trying to say? I like it's a film that under, I, I like it when a film does this as well. When it goes, I remember this happening. The first time I remember thinking this is when I saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is right, a film that yeah. said, instead of shooting a flashback sequence, 
why don't we just get a very good actor to sit down and tell the story of what yeah. happened? Because it's immediately actually engaging, kind of by doing it less, it's somehow more. Like in Jaws. And, exactly. So that's what happens with Mahershala Ali's character. He has a couple of times mm. where he sits down and tells a story and you think, mm. It's great. It's really good. Um, with what you said about Knock at the Cabin, this yeah. is exactly the kind of film Knock at the Cabin should have been. And could have been. Yeah, really been. easily could have yes. been. If you don't know, we, we, we really just didn't see the point no, of Knock I, at the Cabin. And it was frustrating. Like, despite our slight reservations about Leave the World Behind, Leave the World Behind delivers the kind of intellectual um, and kind of concept thrills that mm. something like uh, uh, Knock at the Cabin um, begs for, but actually like quickly yeah. abandoned. I mean, there's actually like one like imagery in terms of things that happen in both films. I was like, wow, that's kind of very, very similar there. But yeah. this is so much more in- interesting and intelligent. Um, I think that... Uh, what did my thing just... There's something, a slight element about what all the individual members of the family represented. You can mm. point at me like, well, that person is consumerism and oh, that yeah, person sure. is privilege and prejudice. Yeah. And I'm just making that up. But you can I, be a little bit like, okay, well, I, get that's it. The, I do think that the experience of watching it is probably greater than the experience afterwards. Like, I, was, I think I was so like, too. Very invested. Engaged, yeah. And then but afterwards, I was kind of thinking, well, that kind of didn't really go anywhere. And stuff. There yeah. is one really funny bit with Ethan Hawke that made me laugh. Not him specifically, but just like, you've had so many weird things happening, right? They've been dripped throughout the film. Yeah. And there's something that happens in the third act with, with his son. And he's sort of come to the room and Julia Roberts like, look, look. And he goes, what? Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like Everyone in the audience yeah. laughed. And I will say the, the side of Kevin Bacon is a good side. It's a good Kevin side Bacon. of Kevin he's Bacon. Very, he's great in it. Yeah, really, that's a, really good. Mm. It's actually one of my favorite scenes, like the, the, that moment when they sort mm. of talk to each other. Yeah. Very good. Very, very good. But I think, I, I actually do think though, in a way, despite um, our slight reservations about it, this is, I think, is exactly the kind of film Netflix should make. Yeah. Is that it is kind of mid-budget, with big name actors in it, mm-hmm. concept led, yeah, and with good hook. with a good hook, it and it feels slightly experimental. These kind of films actually keeps you engaged when you're watching it. As yeah, well. these kind of mid budget concept led films are, aren't are uh, fewer than they used to be, especially yeah. in like being released in cinemas. And I do think, in a way, there was something I, I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, this film feels actually very suitable to be watched both on the big screen and at home. I agree. Yeah, and I just think There's something to be gained from both. I think I would. I think it, it, stream, streaming streaming platforms and in this case Netflix, I think would do well to lean into that kind of sirens, sirens on our own. Yeah, sirens on our own. Do you want to say it one more time? Just the got louder. <laughs> um, would do well to lean into that kind of concept led um, idea. So I thought it's it's solid. Mm. Um, if a little bit. Lo- it's, it's solid, it is a long. bit long, um, probably could have been tighter, but not, not, what's my word? It's not, not worthy of your time. Yeah. Do you it, think if you did watch that at home, a la Netflix style, you'd, you'd spend the whole time watching it, enjoying it, and then it would end and you'd go, all right, time for bed. You, yeah. would, you wouldn't be like, whoa. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I think a film like us, sorry, you, like, the yeah. comparison like begs the discussion. Did you notice that thing? You, well, you know what, yes. Do you know what it is? Is that a film like us can deliver those stories, but because it goes, you also um, jump the shark and go, yeah, you go, you you do something silly. Yeah. This film just, I think, just stayed on the right side of silly. Yeah. Because I never thought there was any moment where the film kind of pulled its trousers down and you went, okay, you've kind which, of lost Which it here. could have done. Which it could have done. If this it, film, I wouldn't be surprised but, if this film had a move. But the consequence go, of that is that it doesn't really actually pull any surprises on you, yeah. really ultimately. And the last shot, you're kind of like, 
Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I get that. But um, as always, guys, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you had any, don't be afraid to send them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Leave an email behind mm. to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Uh, and good to see Julia Roberts in something oh, different. Just completely separately. Love to see Julia Roberts yeah. in a real uh, dialogue heavy, talky, yeah. d- lots of stuff to do. She's just great. Cannot get, cannot be said enough. This, yeah. this episode goes out to you, Julia. This is actually before midnight if it, it, it's before midnight meets knock at the cabin yes yes that's your poster right there yeah with a bit of peel and hitchcock yeah with a little bit of us peppered in there <laughs> yeah and a little bit of uh hitchcock and oh there was one just one sure that's a film salad no it's not a film salad. there was a couple of moments where it did veer slightly towards the happening uh, very much and, so, and I yeah. thought oh god careful knowing. careful yeah, and, yeah yes knowing as yeah. well knowing the Nicholas Cage which is terrible and happening the happening which is also terrible luckily it didn't it didn't fall down that road but there was a couple of just it might have been just a shot once or twice I thought oh no if you take Ethan Hawke and you replace him with Nicolas Cage this film's just a completely different oh, animal yeah I kind of want to see it <laughs> anyway. in the flip flops like driving yeah. the car <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway that is Leave the world behind. Let us know your thoughts. Again, at hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. This Sunday, I'm going to go watch Martyrs, which is uh, a horror film that has been described as uh, it makes Saw look like Sesame Street. Oh, God. You know, I told you, my my friend Amy, who does the effed up Horror Nights. So that's the next film, and she's gone hard. Martyrs. Martyrs. I watched the trailer for it. No, no, no. It's from, I want to say, 2008, but don't quote me on that. Uh, It looks really disturbing. Mm. And it's been described as brilliant, but agonizing to watch. Great. So, yeah, that'll be a Sunday night next week. Okay. um, That's all. Anyway. Let's get on to some emails, shall we? do some emails. Uh, Guys, as always, if you want to send an email into the show, you can do by emailing into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Harry did. Harry writes into the show. Do you want me to start? Are you happy with me to start? I can do whatever you want. Hi, George and James. Uh, Brackets. I believe George's left to right theory is correct. Thank you. The fact that you talk from the left to the right and therefore your name goes first. The sentiment's turning against me. Uh, Rally. The James no. and George fans. Hear ye, Georges. <laughs> Harry goes on to say, I believe my first email got lost in the ether, but nevertheless, longtime lover of the pod. I'm a film studies graduate from Winchester and I've finally gone through the backlog and I'm all caught up. George, you're making a face. I thought I'd use another email to draw your attention to a fantastic film. Stop. I, Sorry. Sorry. Just, yes. just, just, just to stop you there. Yeah. Harry. I remember George seeing this email. On. I just remember this email coming in. I remember you said, I read the first line where it said, I believe my first email got lost in the ether. But Harry, if I'm correct, <laughs> no, no, I, I just want to get, sorry, you, your last email. Harry, you've got to be careful when you come in hot because George has got Yes, the about going to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 when you had just recently had a breakup. I, I remember... Yeah, I remember talking about I that. I remember reading that out. Harry, we definitely read that email out. So that was... If you send that in October, that would have been in any episode between now and October. It could have been in a bonus, but I doubt it. I think... I think we did read that out. Sorry, Harry, continue. <laughs> I thought I'd use another email to draw your attention to a fantastic film that came out in 2013 that follows a young man following his lifelong ambition pursuing his dream job, a job he believes he was made for. He goes through trials and tribulations to get to the finish line with people around him constantly telling him he's not good enough. However, he gets to the point in his life where he realizes that everything he has worked for was all for nothing. This leads to some incredibly moving scenes dealing with adversity and how life truly has a plan for you, whether you can see it or not. Is this any film? Have I got you gripped? Do I have your attention? This is, of course, 
is Monsters University, oh. brackets 2013. I wanted to write something quick about the film that is kind of vague yet mysterious. There is a lot more going on for film, of course, for the film, of course, but I wanted to write a funny email, not as good as Monsters Inc. from 2004, but truly is a great film. Hope to email again again soon, Harry. That's what have been the main. That, that has been one of the major discoveries of doing this show. I've ne- I did not realize that there was such a split. No, but not even split, but like um, passionate um, support. For yeah, from Monsters University, a film I would have otherwise have written off. But I can't believe there's. We, we've heard you. We yeah. do hear that there is support for it. I am loving the endless sort of fifty episode log saga of Monsters English and Monsters University. I'm looking forward to the next one when you and I, in passing, make a comment about like, oh yeah, that one wasn't as good as that one, oh, and God. like people just wake activate. Up at, yeah. Just activate and come for us. Um, <laughs> Harry also says, P.S. Completely agree with James and his Home Alone 3 take. I believe it is treated harshly purely because it is called Home Alone 3. Fox clearly wanted to trick audiences by claiming it has something to do with the other two fantastic films. Therefore, people were already sour about the film prior to viewing. It's very much diehard for kids. Call it something else and it would be looked upon much more favorably. Harry, thank you. Home Alone 3 is fantastic. When did you... That must have been last year you made that then when we were talking about Christmas. Yeah. What was your point about it? It's it's good. It's good. It's really good and criminally underseen and it's it's my family's favourite Home Alone. What? Harry, I I screenshotted your PS and sent it to my sisters because they will be like super happy to know that someone someone else likes it. It is like Die Hard. Okay. Harry, thank you very much for your email and don't forget, we did read out your other one. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I'm bitter. Adam writes this next email and he says, Hey, James and George. Or George and James. I hope you're both very well. Third time emailer here. I had to pause your latest episode to give my thoughts on some of the fantastic and iffy movies I've seen recently. Mm. I've been meaning to talk to... To about, I've been, been meaning to talk about each individually, but I'll do a whistle stop tour now. Strap in, no pressure to read them all. Well, Adam, guess what? I am. The first is May December, which we reviewed last week. Mm-hmm. I managed to catch this film at LFF on the Saturday morning. I'd never been to the film festival before, and that was the only screening I could get to. But I left the theatre feeling very much the same as George. While it looked and sounded impressive, it didn't actually feel like it concluded very neatly. The packed festival hall left rather quickly and quietly with puzzled faces. We seem to laugh a lot of the dialogue. We seem to laugh at a lot of the dialogue and the editing choices. I think that's intentional. It's the kind of soap opera element to it, Adam. But, um, but Adam goes on to say, but we were certainly stunned into silence with Portman's monologue at the end of the, at the start of the third act. Saltburn. Sorry, just before you move on, I went to a rave on Saturday and I got recognised by one person in the crowd who what they did manage to say to me in the middle of the crowd was that I'm a, I love your show. I'm oh, wow. a listener to the show. To which when I shook his hand and said, thank you, that's great. <laughs> and what he did say was, May, December is my favorite film of the year so far. Oh. And then we just got back to our, to our party. But thank you, dude, in the crowd <laughs> who spotted me. <laughs> Um, Adam then writes about Saltburn. He says, while it was incredibly well shot and had great comedy, I would pay for you guys to do a whole episode as Richard E. Grant. <laughs> Maybe for charity. <laughs> I'm overall mixed. The plot was so predictable and the manipulation scenes were just plain harrowing. Sorry, on the Richard E. Grant, you and I, I had so many people send me the that clip recently where he's putting up his Christmas tree and it's just him clearly have woken up five minutes before in his dress, <laughs> looking at the snow-filled sky going... <laughs> Christmas Day decorations today. <laughs> Putting them up. Saturday. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. He Christmas. looks. I just think he looks really happy. Oh, I'd uh, love to be as happy as Richie yeah. Grant. Please go and follow. I, I I love following Richie Grant on Instagram. If you don't follow him on Instagram, it's exactly as George's impression is. Thank he's you. just having the best time reacting to the simple things in life. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like he's gone, oh, I'm putting up the Christmas tree today. I want to tell everyone. Everyone, everyone should know. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, 
Adam goes on to say about Saltburn, I felt that Oliver's character just became so incredibly strange and unlikable. He did, he did, Oliver's character did just suddenly sort of decide to change in that kind of- Did you kind of root for him in the beginning? Yeah, you kind Without of- Without spoiling and then, stuff. And then it just kind of pivots and says, no, he's actually going to be um, Tom Ripley. Mm. Um, Even the moment in the bath, you're like, yeah, man, go get it. <laughs> Whatever you want. Yeah. The way I would have improved it is to have the film conclude after the mm-hmm, or to make the posh family more dislikable. Yeah, they're kind of just kooky, aren't they? Yeah. As Eat the Rich movies go, the rich were far too charismatic. Bar Farley, uh, who's one of the characters. My favorite scene there was when Felix shares the family's mourning tradition. Mourning is in grieving mm. with Oliver. The music and genuine heart was lovely and then a great gag at the end of the scene. Maybe I missed something because most of my mates were more impressed than I was. Uh, I've had a couple of people say, yeah, I liked it. I liked it to me. And I'm like, yeah. It's, uh. yeah. I think what it is is... I think the more films you see, it, Soulbind is one of those films that if you've seen a lot of films, mm. it's I think it's not quite as. I was, a guy at work was like, "Oh yeah, I went to see Saltburn, George. I, I really quite liked it. What did you think?" Mm. I said, "Well, have you seen the talented Mr. Ripley?" He was like, "I don't know what that is." I was oh, like, right, okay, yeah. I was like, "Have you heard of Brighter Revisited?" He was like, "No," and I was like, "Okay, well that's fine." I said, "But for me, like, it borrowed a lot from that." And he was like, yeah. "Okay," and he he said to me that he went and watched that over the weekend, so I'm going to get his review. Uh, yeah, I've gone back and seen Mr. Ripley. Anyway. Report back. Uh, Adam also just quickly says, Napoleon, he thought, was goofy, epic, mm. historical reality TV. I wanted to love it. I wanted a gladiator too, but it did not live up to those expectations. It probably couldn't have, but accents aside, all the actors killed it. The cinematography was gorgeous and the costumes were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit sleepy between the arrival in Russia and leaving so-and-so. I'm just going to uh-huh. go with that. Uh, but I would ha- happily watch it again. The sheer fun outweighed my gripes. I, uh, I... Uh, I played poker with some guy friends of mine and the day we went to play, I think like two or three of my friends had seen it that day or that weekend and all of them came in and were like, how was the polio? And they all went, ah, I mean, what was that about? Yeah, all yeah, of them, yeah. like great battle scenes, yeah. but I don't know, man. I think they expect, I saw Ridley Scott and Gladiator yeah. well, uh, most pedigree and they really thought they were up to something a bit more challenging, a bit more deep. And Adam concludes lastly with Anatomy of a Fool. I'll be brief, as you lads have been bang on with your reviews. It grips you from the first scene. Stunning, smart, nuanced. The runtime flew by and I was just smiling the whole way through. I took a friend along who wouldn't typically choose to see such a film and she was awestruck. One of those films that I have to temper my excitement out of fear of overhyping it for others. Thank you so much, guys. Apologies for the criminally long email. Keep doing what you do. You're both smashing it. Sirens on my end. Adam. P.S. I went to the episode 100 pub quiz. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do remember you, Adam. Yes. It was such a cool night. We felt privileged to be there. Truly excellent hosts. Bring on the next one. Thank you so much, Adam, That's for cool. that lovely email. I like that. I like the little sort of summary of the, the new recent films. Mm. Yeah, Anatomy of all... So, Bang it. So great. It's about when people are like, what's good right now? Because nobody's, nobody's talking about Anatomy of who aren't in the yeah. scene. I'm always like, Anatomy of go and see it. Don't and Google it. Yeah, and it's just really different. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, this one is from Kan Yiso, and I'm so sorry, Kan Yiso, I'm so sorry if I've not spelled that right, uh, who says, hey, George and James, James and George. Thank you. So that's like really, so far, I'm not keeping score, James. I'm a big fan of the podcast. It was recommended by a colleague at the HW Union. Shout out to Sam, HW Union. You know what? I think that's in Scotland. Okay. Shout out like, to like, Sam. Like, like, like a union, like a student's union. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, shout out to Sam if you're listening. Sam? If you are listening. Well done. We shout to you. You, you, you are you plus one now to the show. You can stay. 
Uh, I was initially hesitant to start because I remember feeling excluded from movie discussions with film bro director friends in school. However, since listening to your podcast and I've been watching more film, I've been watching more films, felt more confident in critiquing them and loving Letterboxd. Great. So thanks guys for making a podcast both inclusive and analytical. No Recently, I watched Dream Scenario after a complete blunder yes. with Showtimes. Nevertheless, I really enjoyed it. Dream Scenario, Dream Scenario, the Nicolas Cage film, which I reviewed on a bonus episode a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, the premise and the execution was so well done. The tagline is succinct and the film unravels as a well-thought-out allegory for viral fame with good pacing. The veil between dream and reality was malleable mm. and they used our understanding of dreams, brackets, see Inception for details, to their benefit. Oh, that's interesting. To use like a really popular film of, I haven't seen Dream Scenario, but like inception like creates a framework for how dreams work in yes. cinema in some way and you can sort of like jump off that that's quite cool uh, i found the role of the young woman at the midpoint predictable and disappointing despite the clever use of dreams within her sequence however this left a bad taste so when the film came back to the heart of the story his family it was a little too late and unsupported by earlier scenes of familial life is that a spoiler it's not a spoiler i disagree though i think the scene you're talking about with um uh his family is a big part of it so that's not a spoiler but the scene in the middle with i think the actress is called dylan Galula, Dylan, Dylan Jalula, I thought was really funny and really uncomfortable and yeah. really well executed. Overall, I enjoyed the film. Great work by the entire cast, and as said in the previous episode, an accurately pitched and impressive performance by Nicolas Cage, a national treasure. A. My question, is there a piece of movie technology or sci-fi theory you would love to see again? This could be put into the hands of another director with a fresh story, more Black Mirror than ill-advised reboot sequel. I'd love to see another movie using the Inception device with a new Inception team. Mm. I've talked for ages, so thanks for reading this out and cheers to 100 more episodes of Great Film Chat. Just opened my Spotify wrapped, the competition was steep, and I'm happy to announce you my number one podcast of 2023. As always, sirens on our end. K, a budding creative. P.S. I have a thoughtful take on bottoms the film but this email would go on forever and perhaps the ship has sailed when is the statute of limitations on recent movie release talk you're, um, you're within you're within for bottoms yeah. if you've sat down to write the email you might as well just yeah. throw it in i'd say like the only time we had to stop was like we had so many emails about barbenheimer oh, yeah. that we were almost like we said it we've covered it but that, that was just because we got so many but no you're great and then he uh he provided okay provided a uh, okay she he he Kay also provided a screenshot of their Spotify wrapped uh, nice. uh, stuff, seeing that you, you listened for 5,798 minutes. Top 1% of fans. I was in the top 0.01% of Talking Heads listeners on Spotify this year. 0.0. You must have them every day. Uh, a lot. I, I can tell you, I mean, I. And I, the film would have sort of. Oh, the film it, absolutely spiked it. it. Yeah. Also, my friend, my flatmate, he was in the top 0. Point zero 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 one percent of Paul Simon listeners. That is great. I'm thinking that's like top 100. Yeah. That's yeah, one below be. Stalker. I saw that, you know, so as creators on, like we distribute our podcast on Spotify, we mm. get our own creator wrapped and it gives some really inf info about you guys and how much you listen, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it, um, can you guess that all of our listeners are into three different genres of music. Oh, So there's the top three. Oh, okay. So I, I've remembered them. Genres. Yeah, yeah. So like it just, it was like a, here are your podcast analytics. Separately, your listeners like these three music genres. Are they quite like, yes. standard genres? <laughs> They're like the genres. Indie? No. Pop? Yes, that was number one. Rock? Yes, that was number two. Not pop. Pop was number one. Oh, sorry. Pop, pop was number two. <laughs> What happened? Did I just short circuit in my brain? Yeah. Pop, rock. What's uh, what's the R and B? No, close. Rap. Yes. Oh. Pop, rock, rap. And I was like, okay, they like music. Oh yeah, they're they're humans. <laughs> yeah, could have been hip hop or R and B. 
for a, for a third, I'd say. But um, yeah, always. And then we saw how many of you have us in their t- in your top ten percent of podcasts. How many of you have us in your top five percent of podcasts? Yeah, I mean, really, how many of you in the top one percent, guys? We love you. We love it, 1%. and we really appreciate the effort. But you know, what I'm going to say like like Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street. Those are rookie numbers. You need to bump those bump, bump those up next year. Onwards and more. And this final email for today is from Charmaine, who says, "Hey." I'm a new fan of your podcast and I've been enjoying all the videos. Please could you do a deep dive on The Crown Season 6? I'm a huge fan of The Crown and would love to hear your takes and impressions on it. Best regards, new fan, smiley face. Charmaine, our bonus episode that went out last week, talked exactly about that. Part one of Season 6 of The Crown. Let us know what you thought about it and we'll talk about it. Going to the Prem tomorrow. We are. When when this episode comes out, it would have been yesterday. Yes, we will be wined and dined. Hopefully. Bow ties. Yeah, we're back. It's nice to wear. I had to wear uh, tux at the, at, the, at the weekend for my girlfriend's uh, thing. And it's really nice. <laughs> Just yeah, you, you it's not like I'm James it. Bond. I, like, I couldn't say I was on an assignment uh, for this thing, thing that I had to, that I had to. Yes. <laughs> Forgive me. There you go, guys. That was the emails. Don't forget, if you want to send an email to the show, we'd love to hear it. Send one in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. George, you were going to say? I was going to say, James, shall we conclude like we do every episode with a game? Let's do it. James, I have two rounds for you. Mm-hmm. One is a castless countdown, which we will finish with. But okay. the first one is a new one, okay? A new game. It took me a little bit of a while to put it together, so that's only one we've got one round, okay? Okay, that's fine. But James, are you ready to play? I'm going to ask you to name certain things. It's not a name 7 in 30. It's more unique than that. But, James, it's more unique. James. Okay. Can you name the Pixar movie from the character? Oh, okay. In three, two, one. Violet Parr. Uh, Incredibles. Yes. Merida. Merida. Brave? Yes. Bing Bong. Bing Bong is in Inside Out. Yes. Ken. Uh, from Barbie. No, mm. Ken. Oh, sorry. Toy Story 3. Yes. yes. Hopper. Hopper is from A Bug's Life. Yes. James P. Sullivan. James P. Sullivan. S- Sully is from Monsters, Inc. Yes. B- uh, Barley Lightfoot. Barley Lightfoot. No. Uh, onward. Oh, that's good. Okay. Bruce. Bruce. Uh, Finding Nemo. Yes. Wheezy. Wheezy. Wheezy is uh, Toy Story 2. Yes. 22. 22. 22. 22. 22. Soul. Ah, oh, okay. Ernesto de la Cruz. Ernesto de la Cruz. Is that from... Uh, 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 <laughs> what's it called? What's it? Coco. Coco. Oh. Arlo. Arlo. The Good Dinosaur. Oh, okay. Sid Phillips. Sid Phillips Toy Story? Yes. <laughs> you had the last name? Anton Ego. As it is from Ratatouille. Finn McMissile. Finn McMissile? Uh, planes? Oh, no. no, that's not Pixar 1 technically. Similar, James, come on. Cars? Cars 2. Yes. Eve. Eve? Eve from Wally. Yes, and Carl Fredrickson. Carl. Oh. Mr. Fredrickson, can what? I come in now? No, I don't have it. Up. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. That oh, was good. The Pixar characters. You did well to do like the fifth supporting character in mm. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Challenged. Yeah. I yeah. thought, like, <laughs> I didn't know Sid had a last name. <laughs> Neither did I, but I thought that's going to throw him. Yeah. So, hello, Mr. Sid Phillips. Sid Phillips. <laughs> Finn McMissile, I'm like, it has to be. What was he? Planes. I, I, know, I, know. I thought, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's so, it's so like, obvious that you think it must be, like, the knockoff. I've seen Cars 1 uh, once on Sky, and I was like, this is completely different to what I thought it would be. I thought it would be more of a racing film, and it's like, he totally just wanders off. Yeah. 
I must see that. And then Cars 2 is a spy movie. And then Cars 3, they were like, we're going to go back to doing the thing we did in the first one. I associate Cars films with the thing on those not iPads, the Fisher-Price tablets that kids are given by their parents to just occupy themselves. Ah, There's something about Cars with eyes and faces that just captures the attention of a child. The lowest age group in the Pixar age bracket. And that's not to say that Cars isn't good. I just mean there is something, there's lightning in a bottle for them about seeing things move around on wheels with eyes and making color, brightly colored. Yes, yes. They've got something there. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our next round, which is a... That was a review of Cars. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Cars' countdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. James, uh, it's a fairly short one. I'm going to name uh, the actors in a cast list mm-hmm. and you have to tell me what the film is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. James, guess the movie from the cast. Three, two, one. Claire Danes. Okay. Stardust. Dermot Mulroney. Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Sarah Jessica Parker, and lastly, Diane Keaton. Do you have any idea what the film is? Uh, Claire Danes, Dermot Mulroney, Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Diane Keaton. It's to do with this time of year. Uh, New Year's Eve, Christmas. No, incorrect. That is a film called The Family Stone. Oh, no idea. But popular, no among, popular idea. with my girlfriend and my flatmate. Okay. Who knew? Well, there you go. It's got, a, it's got a poster that's someone doing that with the, with the engagement ring. Okay. And I think it's a good thing they live together. Do they watch it? No, it's just that my oh. girlfriend was like, I love the family stone. And my flatmate was like, me too. And I was like, what is the family stone? <laughs> I thought that was the second half of a I've band. I've never heard of that film. Oh, do you think I've seen the poster? Get the poster up so I can just... Uh, I went Claire Dane Stardust. 2005, by the way. Okay, so getting on. Stardust, that's a good one. Yeah. Stardust got a huge cast. Never seen that poster in my life. Look at those actors. Look at all those famous actors. Yeah. That's a just post Mean Girls, Rachel McAdams. Yes. Luke Wilson in his prime, I'd say. Mm. Did he he have a prime? That's what it would be. (laughs) (laughs) I think my super ex-girlfriend is his prime. I thought his prime was technically um, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, that could be that too. Um, Claire Danes. I saw Claire Danes in London last yeah. year. Just she walked past me and I was like, she looks very cool because she lives in London because her husband is British. There you go. Hugh Dancy. That concludes the games for this episode. And that also concludes this episode of Pulp Kitchen, which Guys. is episode 105. And James, I'm going to let you say that your thing now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pulp Kitchen. Don't forget we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Yes, and... You guys know what I'm going to say, but please continue to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok. We really do appreciate it. When you guys comment on stuff and share it and, and add it to your story, we do notice it, and it, we, it does help us We grow. see every single one. The algorithm likes We're it. We're not that big. You know, <laughs> pay, pay your finger tax, as it were, to the, to the algorithm gods. Yeah, I loved seeing everyone's Spotify wrapped because I always kind of forget about it, even though other people post their mm. personal music ones. You did, we then just get this inundation of like 20 plus people sending us all of their mm. the fact that we were your number one podcast next to like the Joe Rogan experience and like off menu and yeah. Diary of CEO. The fact that you chose us over those fuckers is amazing. That is pretty cool. <laughs> also, how was your rap this year? Mine was a bit skewed. Yeah, I, 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 I had like nosedived into two 
obscure jazz albums. Not that I'm a big jazz listener, but like in January, just I guess to pass the winter months. Yeah. And that completely screwed my whole reading. Mine was like very Fred again heavy because I saw him at Glastonbury <laughs> like and I, I, I just run to Fred again quite a lot. I, I'm so basic, but uh, <laughs> he was great. And yeah, I, was, I was glad to give him my number one spot. Anyway, thanks very much, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.